preached every week, you would have to learn to sing that song. Because I just think that is beautiful. And what a wonderful prayer that is for us to remember as we come into God's house and to hear his word that our hearts might be open and be ready for God's word to be planted in our hearts. You might get to hear that again, so kind of keep it in your mind. Last week, I began a two-part series on things that I learned and experienced on my sabbatical. And if you were here last week, you know that last week we talked about some sabbatical laments, some things that I heard and some things that I experienced that were sort of laments, you know, things that you could sort of grieve or mourn. And today, we're going to go to the second part of that and talk about some sabbatical thanksgivings. Now, last week, we framed it around a psalm and a psalm of lament, and we're going to do the same thing today as we look at a psalm of thanksgiving. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 107. And Psalm 107 is a community psalm of thanksgiving. That means that it is a psalm that the congregation would have used when they worshiped together. And it would have been a psalm that they sang, perhaps, in their worship. It may be that there was someone just like Carol sang and then we sang. That may have been a way that they did it. But in the singing of the psalm, it expressed their worship to God. Last week, I talked about the book Out of the Depths from uh, the writer Bernard Anderson. And he told us last week how the lament fixed a certain form, a poetic form that it followed. Well, he goes on to say that the psalm of thanksgiving does the same thing. And I think that does help us to get in our minds how the psalms may have been read and used in worship originally when we sort of understand the form of them. The form of the psalm of thanksgiving would be it would start with an introduction and then it would have a main section. And that main section would have three parts, some type of portrayal of distress and then a cry to God for help and then the deliverance would come from God. And then the conclusion would be some spoken word of God's greatness, some um, confession or psalm of joy and thanksgiving at the good thing that God has done. I think you'll be able to see those as we read this morning. For Psalm 107, I'm going to read the first 31 verses, and I'll kind of help you see how this lays out, because in this one, you see the introduction that we'll do first, and then it goes into four stanzas, or four verses. And in those stanzas, you can see the form of a cry, a portrayal of distress, a cry to God for help, and then the deliverance and thanksgiving. So follow along as I read Psalm 107. The introduction. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. And then verse 4 would start stanza 1. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the hungry and fills the hungry with good things. Then stanza 2 at verse 10. Some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor, 
They stumbled, and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Verse 17, we see stanza 3. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. And then stanza four. Some went out on the seas in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Well, you see in this psalm, we had four different groups of people that cried out to the Lord and then offered thanksgiving. First were travelers looking for a city, then prisoners, then foolish people who had made themselves sick, and then sailors. And each of them recognized that they were delivered because of God's unfailing love. And so they thanked God for that love in their song. Well, if you were here last week, you remember, you may remember, that the um, lament always led to thanksgiving. So you move from the bad news to the good news. And as I ended my sermon last week, I summarized what I kind of saw as the lament or the bad news and gave a hint to the good news. You remember what those were, right? Well, I was afraid you might not, so I'm going to review a little bit as we go along. And those of you who weren't here will understand what we were doing. My first Thanksgiving today was actually the fourth lament last week, but I thought this was a better place to start. The lament was that worship is not always about God, but my thanksgiving was that God is still God. So my first sabbatical thanksgiving was being able to reconnect with God through the beauty of his creation. Isaiah 6, 3 says, the whole earth is full of God's glory, and it is. And it's often in nature that we really see God's glory and that when we are still and quiet and paying attention, we can see God in the nature around us. On my sabbatical, we saw a lot of nature. I saw the Atlantic Ocean, the Gulf of Mexico, Lake Michigan, Green Bay, the Mississippi River, 
numerous bodies of water that showed God's glory and his beauty. We saw forests, and we saw plains, and we saw rolling hills and lots of corn. We saw tropical plants in the um, tropical area. I had no idea that all my house plants grow wild in the tropics. Did you know that? I had no idea, but they do, and they're beautiful. In Wisconsin, we saw flowers that are bold in color and big in size, and they were beautiful. We saw birds of all different sizes and colors and watched them go to and fro. And in all of those things, I was reminded of God and of his glory. I was reminded that God is still creating and that God is still holding his creation in place. I could see God's love for, for us as he shares that beautiful creation with us daily. Second part of that was that I was so thankful that it is much cooler in Wisconsin than it is in North Carolina. I was able to get out and walk in nature while we were in Wisconsin. I was able to take a walk with my husband every day and it was uh, in the 50s in the morning and in the 70s in the afternoon and I mean zero humidity. It was great. I understand why people wanted to live there. Tommy will tell you that I am terrible when it is hot, like it has been the last week. I, I walk with him. He walks and runs every day, and I drag along occasionally, but I complain the whole way. I hate that hot, you know, just that, that heat that just feels like it's encompassing you all the way around. So I was thankful for Wisconsin and the coolness of the air and the opportunity to be out and to be in God's nature. Being outside with, with God reminds me of who he is. My first sabbatical lament last week was that I listened to ministers and learned that churches are facing lots of challenges. But the thanksgiving was that God's church survives. So my sabbatical thanksgiving is that churches are surviving and they are reaching people for Christ with many different forms of worship. We attended church in lots of different places. I went to a church in Florida that met in a building that looked like an auditorium, and it was dark with nice easy chairs. It felt like a theater. The music was casual, was contemporary, the uh, atmosphere was casual, but it was a place where people gathered that we, on the weekend. They had three different services as so many people came to worship God. In Charlottesville, Virginia, we attended a, a CBF church, a Cooperative Baptist Fellowship church, right downtown near the university. And it was probably the most formal of any of the churches that we went to. They wore their robes, they had acolytes, it had a very formal feeling to it. But it was a place where people were worshiping God in ways that was comfortable to them and meaningful to them. In Kinston, we attended a non-denominational church that was sort of out in the county. And it was light and bright and people were coming and going and happy. And it was a good place for people to worship God. In St. Paul, Minnesota, we attended the congregational church that my dad had attended when he was living in that area as a young person. It was obvious that this was a neighborhood church because the congregation was very eclectic. It was all ages and all shapes and sizes and looks, and they were worshiping God together. That was probably the most liturgical of the churches that we attended, and yet somehow it felt very relaxed. It was a wonderful place to worship. In Raleigh, I attended a church that met in the chapel of another church at the same time that their worship service was happening. 
And it was made up of people who mostly had been disenfranchised from church. Something in their past about the church had hurt them or they didn't like it. But their desire to worship God was still there. And so they had come together and found themselves, um, formed themselves into a group where they could worship God. They had one guitarist who sang and led the music. And the teaching was a, a long period of teaching along with some worship. But it was a place where people had gathered to worship God. Worship is very different in different places. Not everyone expresses their worship and praise in the same way. Some of the elements we've used today, as you saw, are a little different than what we typically do. But in all of those places, people are gathered and desiring to worship God. And that just showed me that God indeed is still calling people and working in people's lives, and people are still gathering to worship Him. God wants people to gather because of His great love for them, and they are doing that. The second lament last week was as I listened to pastors and, and heard them talking, one of their biggest desires was to reach more young people. And so in order to do that, they recognized that it was going to call for some changes and for doing things some different ways. And I said last week that I thought the, the Thanksgiving in that was that there were young people that are out there continuing to search for God and looking for places to worship. So my sabbatical Thanksgiving was hearing all about the ways that young people are, are impacting God's kingdom in unique and interesting ways. At the conference I attended called Church on the Edge, the uh, speaker that week told us about three different congregations that were doing church differently and mostly were made up of young people. The first church was Love Winds Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. You may have heard about it. This is the congregation that goes out into Moore Square and feeds the homeless. They've been in the news because not everybody was happy with that and wanted them to perhaps be in a different place. But they continue to go and to feed the homeless on the weekends. But in addition to just feeding them, they are making community with them. And they share worship with them. And they pray with them. And they have church together. A second church she told us about was the Garden Church in San Pedro, California. This is a church that was started by a young female seminarian who wanted to attract people to Christ in a different way. So she found a plot of land in between two buildings in the downtown area and got her friends to help her and they set up church. They brought in benches. They brought in bales of hay. I have a really hard time saying that. Bales of hay and spread them around. They hung lights and set up some tents like our um, tailgating tents. And in that environment, they had church together. And then they decided to make gardens right there. So right around those bales of hay and around those benches, they dug up the ground and planted seed and grew gardens. And out of those gardens, they grew food. And they shared that food with those who came. And they took that food and made meals and had meals together with those who came. And they prayed together and they worshiped together and they had church. The last one she told us about is the Mercy Junction Justice and Peace Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee. This is a community who works for social justice and peace. On their website, you'll find this statement. In this creative place, we strive to create the world as it should be. 
Now, this is a group that shares a building, an old Methodist church. The church has disbanded, and they have that building now, and they share it with other nonprofits and other groups that strive for justice and peace. They study together. They celebrate the Lord's Supper together, and they worship, and they are church. Now, none of those three churches look like church as we do church, but these are young people making church their own and finding ways to connect with their friends and sharing life together with their friends and being Christ followers together, and they are church. It's exciting to see all those things that those young people are doing. In the three weeks that I've been back, as I walked around our sanctuary and in the hallways, I saw people that I did not know. I saw young people that I did not recognize. So I sat down with Joshua this past week, our Ministry of Education, and we looked at how many young people are coming to our church. We pulled up over 100 people who would be considered young person that are coming to Oakmont and have been here in the last couple of months to worship. And that is exciting. And we're gonna work hard to help those young people get connected and to make church be church for them. If you're in that age group, let me just encourage you to be sure to sign that fellowship pad and put your age on there and give us some contact information. We're gonna plan a lunch right after church later in August and want to be able to be sure to include you. So it's exciting to see that young people are coming to church and they want to be church together. The third lament from last week was that churches are not always welcoming, but the thanksgiving is that God is still calling people and they are still responding and coming. The sad thing is I had at least two people tell me after church last week that that, first, that, that lament was exactly right, that that had been their experience as they had visited churches that nobody talked to them, nobody spoke. And that's a sad state of affairs, and I hope you'll be sure today to look around you and to meet the folks that are sitting close to you. But it is a wonderful thing that God is still calling people out and they are still responding. And it is amazing when you think of it that they continue to come even when they don't feel welcomed when they get here. One of the things that I learned on the sabbatical is that uh, the Thanksgiving was seeing people in different places and in different ways, worshiping together and serving God. God's kingdom is deep and it is wide. It is varied and it is made up of a lot of different people and people doing different things. As we traveled, we saw churches everywhere we went, churches of a lot of different denominations. People looked different in some of the churches that we attended. Some of them were dressed differently than us, and um, I, we, visited, we worshiped with people with different color hair and uh, that may have had tattoos up and down arms and just, you know, did look different than what we sometimes think people who go to church looks like. And it was exciting to see God working in the lives of all kinds of people. One of the things that I did on my sabbatical was to go to Jamaica with my sister. And we were, um, we, she and I take a cruise together every year, and this gave us an opportunity to do that. And the stop at the port was in Jamaica, and everybody had said, do not leave the port area. You know, we heard that over and over again, do not leave the port area, it's not safe. Well, we wanted to see the countryside. You know, we wanted to see what Jamaica looked like. If we were going to be in Jamaica, let's at least see Jamaica. So we booked an excursion to go to a plantation that was more in, further out into the countryside. And in doing that, um, what we thought we were getting was the bus to come get us from the plantation. What we ended up with was a cab that pulled up. And we were not excited about that. 
because of all the horror stories we had heard about getting in a cab in a foreign country. My sister watches way more movies than I do, and all she could think of was we're going to be abducted here. So we were first happy when we opened the door and the, uh, the, the cab driver stepped out, and he was closer to 50 than he was to 20. So we thought maybe that would at least help us. And then as we got in the car and he started to move, he turned on his radio, and when he did, praise and worship music came blasting out of his radio. And he began to sing with those songs. And I just felt my anxiety go down. Because I knew at that point I was with someone else who was a believer in God. And I was uh, just thrilled to know that I could sing the songs with him because we sing those at our church. And I recognize that God's people are all over this world. They're everywhere that we go. And I was so excited to be able to see that. Not everybody worships like we do. Not everybody is a Baptist. That's all I've ever been. So it's always good for me to get out into God's kingdom and to worship with people who worship in different styles than I do or in different, with different focuses. At the conference, I spent one afternoon, an hour, listening to a pastor um, talking about how he was trying his best to get his people interested in, in, and concerned about the environment and clean water and clean air and simple living. And I'm thinking, wow, I don't ever hear, hear a whole lot about that you know, in the churches in North Carolina. But that was their focus. And yet they all worship the same God that I do and want to be together and be community and worship God. The fifth lament last week was that family and faith stories may disappear if we don't find ways to share them. But my thanksgiving was that God's story continues. And that is so true. So a big sabbatical thanksgiving for me was being reminded that we are all part of the larger family of God. I shared last week how I was able to visit the houses where my dad had grown up in St. Paul, Minnesota and to see some of those houses, and then to go to the cemetery and to stand by the grave where my great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents were buried. And I felt a connection to my family that I had never felt before because I had never had any kind of contact that many generations back. And then we were able to attend church where my dad attended church and where perhaps his parents attended church there with him. And it was at that point that I felt a connection to my family and to my faith. And in all the churches that we visited, I was reminded of the verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where he speaks of the great cloud of witnesses that surround us. And I felt that when I was worshiping in those places, that I was indeed a part of that great cloud of witnesses. It's a good reminder to, to, it was a good reminder to me and is to us that whenever we come together and worship, we are part of something bigger than us. We are part of God's kingdom that has gone on for, well, forever, for our time, has always been here. People wanting to come together and worship their God. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we can trace our family faith roots all the way back to that upper room where Jesus shared that meal with his disciples. And that is a wonderful thing to remember. We may not all look alike or act alike or worship alike, but God's love is encompassing enough for all of us. We are part of a family that is unique and different and varied and large. 
and it is God's family. And he is still calling people to be part of it. For me, one last sabbatical Thanksgiving to share was the view of what God is doing in the world that Carol Howard Merritt, our speaker, shared with us. She said that she believes that God is working today to reenact or recreate the Acts 2 church. The New Testament book of Acts, the second chapter, talks about Pentecost. It speaks of the day that the Holy Spirit came down upon the disciples and all the others who were gathered in that room. And what did they do that day? Did they just sit there in that room and say, wow, wasn't that great? Isn't it wonderful what God has done in our life? No, that's not what they did. They got up out of whatever they were sitting on and they moved out into the streets and they went out into the streets and they shared with the people there the story of Jesus Christ. They told those people the good news and the Holy Spirit allowed those people to hear the good news in a language that they could understand. And people got saved right then and right there that day. They wanted to come and to be a part of that family. And she believes that's what God is doing today. That he is doing a new thing in many places. That he's reaching the world in new ways by getting the people out of the churches and out of the church buildings and into the streets where they can then go and be the church and not just be people who go to church. And that may be a big difference in some areas. Think about what Jesus did. In his day, Jesus came and went out among the people. He challenged the religious leaders and he uh, changed the traditions that the people had used in their worship. He came by his, and by his love started a revolution that literally changed the world. He lived by a message that we are saved through the love of God and by his grace in the death and life of Jesus Christ not by working hard and trying to be good. He brought a new world. How did Jesus do that? He loved people, and he got out in the streets among them. He taught his disciples how to love people, and he sent them out into the streets and into the countryside telling the good news of God. And at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the people and sent them out out into the streets where the good news could be told to all who would listen. I believe that we should be thankful that God's love endures and he is still reaching out to people and inviting them to come and be part of his family. It's my sabbatical Thanksgiving that God's love endures forever and that God's love is unfailing and that he is still using his church today in many new and exciting ways. I'm thankful that God is allowing us to work with him. And I am thankful and excited to see what God may do next around us and through us. And perhaps it will be even more than we can imagine. Let us be people just as the psalmist was and say, let us give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we are so thankful that you allow us to be part of your family, that you want us to be part of your family, 
We thank you that this family is large and deep and wide and different and exciting, and we thank you that we can be a part of it. We pray that you will continue to use us in telling that good news, that that story might continue, and that your family would continue to grow. In Christ's name we pray, amen.